Good evening, everyone. The friends we have on our rows, you know what that means. We're at the halfway mark. So we're halfway through Lent. Yay! And that means all that much closer to Easter and the celebrations. And as we do, the readings will get longer. Next week, the reading uh, will be long also. Friends, the story of the blind man presents another incredible image of this Jesus of Nazareth the one sent by God, the Father, who brings light and who brings life, who brings joy, who brings healing uh, to all who would approach him, all who would call themselves his disciples. In this account, the man born blind illustrates, if you will, for John, John is constantly contrasting light and dark and evil and good. Uh, and in, remember in John's gospel, Jesus doesn't do miracles, he performs signs. And uh, uh, so in this account, the man born blind illustrates a person who moves towards light, meaning faith, while at the same time there will be a group of others who will continue in their darkness, blindness, spiritually. As Jesus encounters the man born blind, I noted that there is no request for healing. The man almost doesn't even know that Jesus is there. But there seems to be a sense of urgency. For the light of the world, Jesus is approaching the end of his earthly time. Night will be coming soon. But as he said, while I am still in the world, I must be doing my Father's work and his will. And we're told Jesus smears clay in the man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And Siloam means scent, and part of the reason why that's called that is my understanding is the water that goes into this pool is coming from another area. It was built and it is sent. They call it sending of the water down. Uh, so that's why its name is that, meaning it was sent. But John is going to play really hard with this word. So my friends, what is Jesus doing? He's, yeah, Jesus is desiring recognition of his father. Not of himself, but of his Father. And he is desiring earnestly a response from people, just not any type of response, but one that's filled with joy, one that has faith from all those who's with eyes to see and ears to hear. But as John, the writer of John's Gospel's account of it, uh, tells us the response of joy and faith is lacking. The man's neighbors are divided over the matter, so much so they actually question, almost in a ridiculous way, if this man was really born blind, indicating that maybe he lied his whole life. His parents are worried about being shunned by the community, and I can kind of understand that, and they are worried that they'll be what we understand excommunicated. And the Pharisees are concerned about the observance of the Sabbath, for the man born blind who encounters the light of the world, Jesus sends him to do something. He goes, as Jesus tells him, go to the water of Siloam. He bends over the waters in this pool to wash his eyes of the clay. And this time, the man not only hears and feels the living waters, uh, the Greek has living waters, the flowing waters of Siloam. But for the first time in life, 
he sees the water. And my friends, he's looking into it, and those who have been at lakes and stuff, when you look, you can see that your own image in it. So the man is seeing himself for the first time ever. But he sees the glory of God in creation and water and trees. We take these all things for granted, but he has never seen them. And more than that, in his time, people would have never, they wouldn't speak to him. They may throw money at him because he was poor and usually those who were blind begged, but he wouldn't be acknowledged. And now, as the waters flow through his fingers and he sees, and he sees people, people see him now. They finally acknowledge him. The man born blind encounters the light of the world, and he does exactly as Jesus commands. And the man with a joyful heart returns quickly to look upon the man who gave him the gift of sight. Just as Jesus sent him on a journey to gain his sight, so now this man begins a new journey towards something spectacular, a living and saving faith. And John's account shows the gradual progression of the man's faith. Oftentimes, Jesus, uh, someone will approach Jesus and ask, but this man didn't ask for anything. A lot of times, you don't have to do anything. Uh, or Jesus does it immediately. They're healed. But with this guy... He makes a mud pie, puts it on his eyes, tells him to go to the water. He's blind. <laughs> because you've got to pick up on these pieces. He's blind. I hope someone's going to help him, otherwise he's going to be stumbling. Now, of course, he probably is already well aware of the pool, and he can hear. My friends, uh, but there's this progression of faith within the man. At first, the man refers to Jesus as the man called Jesus. Then the Pharisees interrogate him, as they would do. Then as they become stronger in their interrogation of the blind, well, now he's a seeing man of this man, the man's faith grows. And uh, he then refers to Jesus as a prophet. And when the man is... Uh, confronted with their continued interrogation, steeped in spiritual blindness and jealousy, they attack him. They even put him under oath. They tell him, give God the praise. That's the same thing as saying, put your hand on the Bible and swear by God. This is what they're doing to him. Swear by God. And upon hearing the Pharisees say that Jesus is a sinner, He's a sinner because he broke the Sabbath. What did he do? He healed somebody. Or for them, he worked by making a mud pie. <laughs> the Pharisees say, Jesus is a sinner because he did this. The truth of what is happening comes to this man like a flash of light. And the man confronts them. My friends, in his time... And where he's coming from, having been blind, he is filled with courage and truth. 
because he is testifying. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. He makes a distinction. Born blind. If this man is not from God, is it not true that he could do nothing? Here, then, faith clashes with darkness. Darkness of doubt, of jealousy, of hardened hearts. The man born blind moves away from the darkness of his neighbors, the Pharisees, and even his parents, because his parents are afraid. You think it, it was a nice comment? No, it wasn't a nice comment. They're like, hey, question him. He, he's of age. Talk to him. I'm like, thanks for throwing your son under the bus, parents. But the man moves, he moves quickly spiritually. He is only but a short step now from full, fortified, life-giving faith in this Jesus of Nazareth. In his profession at the end of the story, in it he says, I do believe, Lord. And the man comes to the fullness of faith not just in word, but in action, for he worships him. And my friends, when I look at this and I think about everything that's going on, the word of the Lord holds a mirror to each one of us. And in it, we see a reflection also, as the man likely saw his reflection in the water of the pond. In this, when we're confronted with the word of God, we see ourselves as we really are. And I suspect many today, if honest with themselves, would not see themselves as having the courage of the man born blind, but more like the man's parents. Nervous, timid, I don't want to testify to anything, preferring, as it were, to sit on the fence and watch. And not take a stance, for this is the easier journey. Trying to avoid those uneasy consequences that come when one testifies. Important to note in this gospel that except for the man born blind, Jesus left the rest of them, the Pharisees, the neighbors, and his parents, in their spiritual blindness. I don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. So with God's graces, we can avoid that fate and be steeped, if you will, steeped in faith that saves. And my friends, um, just very quickly, because I know the reading was long, Jesus addresses so many things in this. The first thing he addresses is sin. People of their time, if you're blind or you have a... You have you can't walk, you can't hear, it's because you're a sinner. You did something, and if you say you didn't do something, then your mom and dad did. Curse, if you will. And Jesus is putting that to an end. No. That is not why this is happening. So then he'll say, instead, this is going to become an opportunity for my father to show you what he's really like. The man who is a sinner, Jesus sends. This is one of the other things. He's sending. He sends them. He sends them first to the pool 
where people are going their washing because they want to go to the temple. He can't go into the temple, not because he can't find it because he's blind, but because the community says he's a sinner. So he can't go. So he sends him to, he sends him to the pool, and Jesus usually tells people, shh, don't tell anyone, I, don't tell anybody I healed you. This time is different. He sends him to the pool. The man can see. Everyone can see. Because for John, the signs that Jesus are doing are not about the healing of the body. The signs are to elicit faith in people. Not that God doesn't care about your body. His son came and has a body. But that's not what it's about. It's about having faith the kind of faith that saves your eternal life. And this is what Jesus is after, and this is the way he had to do it. So the man can see, and everyone can see, wait a minute, something going on here. Ooh, this is a Holy Spirit moment. <laughs> well, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't understand that. But we would understand, well, this is a great Holy Spirit moment happening for us. They doubt, they question. Yeah, I get it. You know, we all go do, we all do that. Then <laughs> he sends the man <laughs> to those wretched Pharisees. So remember, the, for us, the word send in its most strict form is prophet. Uh, not prophet, apostle. So the man who the community considers to be a sinner is being sent as, in their time, they would understand as prophet of God, but we would understand as an apostle. The man who is considered to be a sinner, Jesus is sending to the ones who say they have no sin. <laughs> and then he testifies, to which they throw him out of the church. Out you go, <laughs> and take your parents with you. <laughs> they probably got kicked out anyway, uh, so sitting on the fence didn't help them. Jesus turns everything around, and at the end of the story we hear uh, Jesus says, because they get mad at him, they, we're not sinners. We're, we're, you're not calling us blind, meaning they can't see what's going on really. And Jesus says, well, now because you say you can see, you are a sinner. <laughs> and the one who couldn't is not. So he twists, he turns everything upside down from what they knew. Well, that will make this happen. He testified to his father, and this is what they did. There's something even more. Jesus, in this account, he takes mud. He takes, whoa, it said spittle. In the first reading, oils used. Jesus, when he was resurrected, he uses fish, barbecue. <laughs> All these things, and I thought, what is the commonality with them? They're just common things. Oil, mud, water, fish. Common things. Jesus used as signs because that's what we can handle. You've got to be able to touch and everything. For me, I saw what Jesus was doing. Uh, those things were also oftentimes used as medicine. So Jesus is giving his thumbs up to medicine. 
problem is with humanity, we often take things and turn them into wicked things. So when medicine is used to destroy life, to cause harm, and to poison, it is wicked. It was designed to give life. Jesus uses it. The common things. And he put to rest, because one is sick does not mean that God hates them. It does not mean that they are sinners. I think about this because the world continues to fail around this. In the 80s, when AIDS came and the world condemned people who were sick by it, saying God hated them and they were being punished, that was a lie because it's in the scriptures. And then when COVID came, the world tried to do it again. It's illness. We can certainly say you can make better choices. Maybe don't smoke, <laughs> right? Don't do drugs. We got to start getting these things right. We got to start getting these things right. And we got to make sure that medicine, which is blessed from the Father, that information comes down from God to the scientific world. And make sure that doctors are held accountable, that they use medicine for good, to save life, to make life good and not to use it to destroy life in any of its forms, at any of its levels from birth to, natural, to, to the elderly. And the other thing about these common things that Jesus used, we fall into that category. We humans, on the one hand, are just so common. <laughs> Miraculous, though, when you think about it. So within this common bag of flesh. You, man, you save people's lives too, um, being in the fire department. God uses us. You have medicine too. You have the medicine of kind words. You have the medicine of a smile. You have the medicine to go and be with someone who is suffering the loss of a loved one. That's medicine. And we have it. You have it. We all have it. Start using it. Let Jesus use you the way he uses the mud. Remember, we're from clay originally. That's what the scripture tells us. He formed us out of that. That's where I got this whole piece from. But now I need to be quiet because it's, if not, I'll keep you here all night long. <laughs> I just want you to see the scriptures and look and go deeper into it. Get the deeper meanings from it. Uh, because it'll, it's in. It's impacted my life, and that's why I'm a priest. <laughs> I want you to see the scriptures. Just don't blindly read them and walk away from them so that your life will be impacted, and you will go and be those disciples. You will go and testify, even if the consequences are severe. You will go and be that light and encourage others and help to heal them and bring them to joy and faith. Amen? My friends, I left out
the most important of the common of elements, wheat and wine, he turns into the very remedy of all things, the Eucharist. Friends, what I don't do as pastor often enough is to say thank you to you. You've chosen to be here. You've chosen to work on that relationship with him. You've chosen to be his disciple. So as your pastor, thank you. Thank you for choosing correctly. Amen?